Good afternoon. Hello and welcome back to the next instalment of Five Go Off to Camp. Wow. Well now, hmm. Um what happened yesterday? Can you remember? Well, we finished with Jock made the mistake of saying something about uh the spook trains well i think he said something about timmy getting home and um the girls kind of went a little bit mad um but cecil told jock that he had a, his father wanted him and he had a stick oh so let's find out what happens next we are on chat to 12 and you know what it's called george loses her temper oh my goodness there's always a chapter in every single story isn't there where george loses her temper <laughs> anyway we have got to it so jock made a face at cecil and got up he went slowly off round the haystack and the others listened in silence for whacks and yells but none came he frightened me, said Cecil, sitting down by the others. Poor ickle thing, said Dick at once. Oh, darling baby, said George. Mother's pet, said Julian. Cecil glared at them all. He got up again very red. If I didn't know my manners, I'd smack your faces, he said, and marched off hurriedly before his own could be smacked. The four sat in silence. They were sorry for Jock. George was angry and sulky because she knew the others had gone off without her the night before. Anne was worried. They all sat there for about ten minutes. Then came the, round the haystack came Jock's mother looking distressed. She carried a big basket of food. The children all stood up politely. Good morning, Mrs Andrews, said Julian. I'm sorry I can't ask you to stop today, said Mrs Andrews. Oh, but Jock has really behaved very foolishly. I wouldn't let Mr Andrews give him a hiding because it would only make Jock hate his stepfather and that would never do. So I've sent him up to bed for the day. You won't be able to see him, I'm afraid. Here is some food for you all to take. Oh dear, I'm really very sorry about all this. I can't think what came over Jock to behave in such a way. It's not a bit like him. Cecil's face appeared round the haystack, looking rather smug. Julian grinned to himself. Would you like us to take Cecil for a nice long walk over the moors, he said. We can climb hills and jump over streams and scramble through the heather. It would make such a nice day for him. Cecil's face immediately disappeared. Well, said Mrs Andrews, that really would be very kind of you. Now that Jock's been sent upstairs for the day, there's no one for Cecil to play with. But I'm afraid he's a bit of a mother's boy, you know. You'll have to go carefully with him. Cecil! Cecil, where are you? Come and make friends with these children. 
but Cecil had gone. There was no answer at all. He didn't want to make friends with these children. He knew better than that. Mrs Andrews went in search of him, but he had completely disappeared. The four children were not at all surprised. Julian, Dick and Anne grinned at one another. George stood with her back to them, still sulky. Mrs Andrews came back again out of breath. Oh, I can't find him, she said. Never mind, I'll find something for him to do when he appears again. Yes, perhaps you've got some beads for him to thread or a nice easy jigsaw puzzle to do, said Julian very politely. The others giggled. A smile appeared on Mrs Andrews' face. Bad boy, she said. Oh dear, poor Jock. Well, it's his own fault. Now goodbye, I must get on with my work. She ran off to the dairy. The children looked around the haystack. Mr Andrews was getting into his car. He would soon be gone. They waited a few minutes till they heard the car set off down the rough cart track. That's Jock's bedroom, where the pear tree is, said Julian. Let's just have a word with him before we go. It's a shame. They went across the farmyard and stood under the pear tree, all except George, who stayed behind the haystack with the food frowning. Julian called up to the window above. Jock! A head came out, the face still painted terrifyingly in streaks and circles. Hello, he didn't whack me. Mum wouldn't let him. All the same, I'd rather he had. It's awful being stuck up here this sunny day. Where's dear Cecil? I don't know. Probably in the darkest corner of one of the barns, said Julian. Jock, if things are difficult in the daytime, come up at night. We've got to see you somehow. Right, said Jock. How do I look? Like a real Red Indian? You look frightful, grinned Julian. I wonder old Timmy knew you. Where's George? asked Jock. Sulking behind the haystack, said Dick. We shall have an awful day with her now. You let the cat properly out of the bag, you idiot. Yes, I'm a ninny and an idiot, said Jock, and Anne giggled. Look, there's Cecil. You might tell him to beware of the bull, will you? Is there a bull? said Anne, looking alarmed. No, but there's no right reason why you shouldn't beware of one, grinned Jock. So long, have a nice day. The three left him and strolled over to Cecil, who had just appeared out of a dark little shed. He made a face at them and stood ready to run to the dairy where Mrs Andrews was busy. Julian suddenly clutched Dick and pointed behind Cecil. The bull! Beware of the bull! he yelled suddenly. Dick entered into the joke. Oh, the bull's loose. Look out, beware of the bull, he shouted. Anne gave such a shriek, it all sounded so real, that although she knew it was a joke, she felt half scared. The bull, she cried. Cecil turned green. His legs shook. Where is it? He stammered. Oh, look out behind you, yelled Julian, pointing. Poor Cecil, convinced that a large bull was about to pounce on him from behind, gave an anguished cry and tore on tottering legs to the dairy. He threw himself against Mrs Andrews. Save me, save me, the bull's chasing me. But 
There's no bull here, said Mrs Andrews in surprise. Really, Cecil, was it a pig after you or something? Helpless with laughter, the three children made their way back to George. They tried to tell her about the make-believe bull, but she turned away and wouldn't listen. Julian shrugged his shoulders. It was best to leave George to herself when she was in one of her rages. She didn't lose her temper as often as she used to, but when she did, she was very trying indeed. They went back to the camp with a basket of food. Timmy followed soberly. He knew something was wrong with George and he was unhappy. His tail was down and he looked miserable. George wouldn't even pat him. When they got back to the camp, George flared up. How dare you go off without me when I told you I meant to come? Fancy taking Jock and not letting me go. I think you're absolute beasts. I never really thought you'd do a thing like that, you and Dick. Oh, don't be silly, George, said Julian. I told you we didn't mean to let you and Anne go. I'll tell you all that happened and it's pretty thrilling. What? Tell me quickly, begged Anne. But George obstinately turned away her head as if she was not interested. Julian began to relate all the curious happenings of the night. Anne listened breathlessly. George was listening too, although she pretended not to. She was very angry and very hurt. Well, there you are, said Julian when he had finished. If that's what people mean by spook trains, there was one puffing in and out of that tunnel all right. I felt pretty scared, I can tell you. I'm sorry you weren't there, George. But I didn't want to leave Anne alone. George was not accepting any apologies. She still looked furiously. I suppose Timmy went with you, she said. I think that was horrid of him to go without waking me when he knew I'd like to be with you on the adventure. Oh, don't be so silly, said Dick in disgust. Fancy being angry with old Tim too. You're making him miserable. And anyway, he didn't come with us. He just came to meet us when we got back and then went off to keep Jock company on his way back to the farm. Oh, said George, and she reached out her hand to pat Timmy, who was filled with delight. At least Timmy was loyal to me then. That's something. There was a silence. Nobody ever knew quite how to treat George when she was in one of her moods. It was really best to just leave her to herself. But they couldn't really very well go off and leave the camp just because George was there, cross and sulky. Anne took hold of George's arm. She was miserable when George behaved like this. George, she began, there's no need to be cross with me too. I haven't done anything. If you weren't such a little coward, too afraid to go with us, I'd have been able to go too, said George unkindly, dragging her arm away. Julian was disgusted. He saw Anne's hurt face and was angry with George. Shut up, George, he said. You're being horrid saying catty things like that. I'm astonished at you. George was ashamed of herself, but she was too proud to say so. She glared at Julian. And I'm astonished at you, she said. After all the adventures we've had together, you tried to keep me out of this one. But we, you will let me come next time, won't you, Julian? What? 
after your frightful behaviour today, said Julian, who could be just as obstinate as George when he wanted to. Certainly not. This is my adventure and Dick's, and perhaps Jock's, not yours or Anne's. He got up and stalked down the hill with Dick. George sat pulling bits of heather off the stems, looking mutinous and angry. Anne blinked back tears. She hated this sort of thing. She got up to get dinner ready. Perhaps after a good meal, they would all feel better. Mr Luffy was sitting outside his tent, reading. He had already seen the children that morning. He looked up, smiling. Hello, come to talk to me. Yes, said Julian, an idea uncurling itself in his mind. Can I have a look at that map of yours, Mr Luffy? The big one you've got showing every mile of these moorlands. Of course, it's in the tent somewhere, said Mr Luffy. The boys found it and opened it. Dick at once guessed why Julian wanted it. Mr Luffy went on reading. It shows the railways that run under the moorlands too, doesn't it, said Julian. Mr Luffy nodded. Yes, there are quite a few quite a few lines. I suppose it was easier to tunnel under the moors from valley to valley rather than make a permanent way over the top of them. In any case, a railway over the moors would probably be completely snowed up in the winter time. The boys bent their heads over the big map. It showed the railways as dotted lines when they went underground, but by long black lines when they appeared in the open air in the various valleys. They found exactly where they were. When Then Julian's finger ran down the map a little and came to where a small line showed itself at the end of a dotted line. He looked at Dick, who nodded. Yes, that showed where the tunnel was out of which the spook train had come and the lines to the deserted yard. Julian's finger went back from the yard to the tunnel where the dotted lines began. His finger traced the dotted line a little way until they became whole lines again. That was where the train came out into another valley. Then his fingers showed where the tunnel that led from the yard appeared to join up with another one that also ran for some distance before coming out into yet another valley. The boys looked at one another in silence. Mr Luffy suddenly spotted a day-flying moth and got up to follow it. The boys took the chance of talking to one another. The spook train either runs through its own tunnel to the valley beyond or it turns off into this fork and runs along to the other valley, said Julian in a low voice. I tell you what we'll do, Dick. We'll get Mr Luffy to run us down to the nearest town to buy something, and we'll slip along to the station there and see if we can't make a few inquiries about these two tunnels. We may find out something. Good idea, said Dick, as Mr Luffy came back. I say, Sarah, are you very busy today? Could you possibly run us down to the nearest town after dinner? Certainly, certainly, said Mr Luffy amiably. The boys looked at one another in delight. Now they might find something out. But they wouldn't take George with them. No, they would punish her for her bad temper by leaving her behind. Oh dear, that is not going to go down very well, is it? 
Ooh. <laughs> I wonder if they will find out something. It's a very good idea of them looking on the map, wasn't it? Um, and seeing where the other end of the tunnel came out. Because that's got to be. They, unless the spook train stays in the tunnel. And lives in there. Oh my goodness. My brain is hurting through thinking. <laughs> anyway, you all have um, a really, really good day. We will come back tomorrow and see what happens when they go down to the station. Oh, sorry, I've got hiccups. Oh, and but until then, make sure that you. Oh, sorry that you take care and stay safe and I'll see you all again tomorrow. Bye for now.